Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. I'm your host, Alex Mozinski, and I'm co-hosting today with Adrian Bory. How are you today, Adrian? I'm doing pretty great. How are you? Awesome. I give two presentations today. I've been running all over the place, and I'm just stoked for our time in the booth. Like, super stoked. So... Today we're joined by our guest, Kaylee Bauer. Hi. Hello, Kaylee. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And Kaylee is the Chief Steward of Social Sciences of uh, PSAC Local 79. So that's our... PSAC. PSAC, <laughs> not PSAC. No. I just slapped myself on the wrist for that. Uh, PSAC. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, PSAC is the TA union. It's a national union, so we have a lot of resources that we can tap when we need to, but we're also directly chartered, which means we have a lot of autonomy. If you're a teaching assistant, you're in the union. Um, Some departments will make marking assistants. They'll designate them as teaching assistants as well, so it's good to check with your department, see if you're represented by the union. But, uh, yeah, we're we're the teaching assistant union. All right, so... I guess if you're a teaching assistant, you're eligible and you're already a part of the union. Um, what does union representation entail then? What, what types of things um, does a union do for you or being a unionized person do for you? Well, I suppose I should start off by saying the best thing you can do as a member is sign your blue card. The blue card makes you a member in good standing. And what that means is you have access to a whole array, like a constellation of amazing services that we provide. We have a food bank. We have uh, sort of an extended health plan that gives you a top-up in addition to what SOGS gives. So if you have teeth or wear glasses, uh, we can we can help you out with that. And... Uh, We also provide you with representation when it comes to bargaining. Now, currently we're in a bargaining year, which means we're renegotiating our contract. We're the ones who do that. I'm actually on a team of four other people, and uh, each of us come from different sections. And I'll explain what that is in a minute, but each of us come from different sections. We've got master's students, PhD students, men, women, and we sit at the negotiation table with administration and we negotiate for the best deal possible. So until the new contract comes through, you're still protected under the old one, but we are trying to negotiate an even better one. That's so wonderful to hear. Um, So um, can you tell us a little bit more about the bargaining process? Uh, I can't say a ton about that because I am sort of bound by, of course, being on the bargaining team. But the process is we gathered information from all of our members through a series of, you know, surveys and anecdotal conversations and, of course, the stewards, which are so, so important. Um, Check to see if your department has a steward because we're still missing some people. And department stewards are sort of our eyes and ears in departments. As a chief steward, I look after everybody in social sciences. So if you're in econ or history or political science, I'm I'm the one looking after your labor concerns. If you're in arts and humanities, you have somebody different. Physical sciences, someone again. Uh, Biological sciences, someone again. So it's good to find out who helps you out. But your department steward is sort of your first line of defense and help and they'll tell you what to do uh so we all gathered information all of last year met as a committee and came up with uh sort of a mandate from our members that told us what to present to administration 
So now it's a long and drawn out process of meetings. Can you share with us some of the, the most important concerns that students expressed, or is that pretty mm, Well, the, the results of the survey, uh, obviously wages. Wages were a big one. Childcare was another concern, because obviously a lot of PhD students are older or have families, and there's really no good options for childcare. Uh, Otherwise, I can't say a ton because we are in the middle of this and it's, it's a closed negotiation. But uh, it's really important to keep yourself informed and you can do that on our website. We'll be updating periodically. So That's so great. So um, going back to the stewards, I had a, a question sort of about that structure. So if you have a problem, let's say when you're a TA, there's an issue that you're having in your workplace or just generally as a TA... Um, you go to your TA departmental steward first. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, whoever you're most comfortable with. I mean, if you know your chief steward and you're more comfortable with the chief steward than your department steward, absolutely, go to whoever you're most comfortable with. But most people prefer to have contact with their department stewards because it's usually a master's student or a PhD student within the department, and it's generally someone who people are familiar with, who people know, right? And that's why it's so important to have somebody because when those positions go unfilled... Um, most people, their only option is to go directly to the chief steward, and that can be a little bit intimidating, and it can be a little uncomfortable. I will say to everybody that you are actually protected in the collective agreement from reprisal by your department. So if you choose to get the union involved in any workplace dispute or any issue you're having, they can't act against you. They can't discriminate against you for that. And that's backed by Canadian jurisprudence. That's backed by the Labor Code of Canada. They can't. So don't ever be afraid to ask for help, right? The worst will tell you is, mm, that's not quite a union issue, so we'll advise you where to go next. But anytime you're having issues as an employee of the University of Western Ontario, we're there for you. Yeah, I've actually, um, sometimes it's even just fun to come and visit you guys. You're in the basement of um, Somerville House. We so. are, yeah. Uh, and everyone there is so nice. So um, even th that is a starting point. If you're not sure who your departmental TA is, they have great staff there and they can point you in the right direction no yes. matter what you're dealing with. Yes, Conan's brilliant. She's our uh, sort of administrative office manager. She's amazing. And she gets lonely, so go visit her. <laughs> okay, so your your knowledge is actually very impressive. So I'm wondering just from a, an outsider's perspective sort of what kind of training do you do you take as a union steward like what goes into uh preparing yourself for the obligations that you have and how much work is it as a chief steward or as a department steward i've done both let's start with department steward <laughs> and work our way up to chief so the department steward position is actually very little time commitment your biggest job as a department steward is to listen to people's concerns and advise them on what to do so if they express a concern and you're thinking mm, that's probably something the union ought to step in on you can then go to the chief steward and figure out an action plan right um department stewards get one training session that is usually in the evening we still haven't I think ours are both in the evening. Sometimes there's one during the day. But it's one training session, and then they meet two to three times a year to vote on budgets and all kinds of really exciting things. Um, the training is not a huge time commitment because all you really need to learn about is the structure of the union and where to go, you know, who's above you if things get tough because there's issues of confidentiality and there's issues of 
not necessarily having all of the resources that the executive has. Um, as a member of the executive, though, as the social science chief steward, I actually received quite a bit of training when I think about it. I had uh, a weekend worth of training back in May before I assumed my position. And then again at the beginning of June, there were two days. Um, the first bout of training was with other academic locals. So there are two other academic locals in Ontario and I think a few in Western Canada. Um, our sister organizations in Ontario is uh, PSAC 901, that's over at Queen's, and PSAC 555, that's at UOIT. So we all got together as an academic local and did the union basics and a lot of training there. Um, academic locals obviously have different needs than other locals. The turnover of membership tends to be higher. Uh, reporting of grievances tends to be a little bit less because there's often concerns with reprisal or, you, you know, all of a sudden you've got this plum TA assignment teaching the Canadian history course you love and then you say something and rock the boat and all of a sudden you're teaching 16th century European history that no one wants or something, <laughs> as an example. Um, you know, so that was intensive and then we got the training through PSAC National in June. And uh, regardless of what position you get elected to, you do all of that. Although on the weekend retreat, we did break off into little groups. So I got steward-specific training. I, I know the Canadian Labor Code quite well now. <laughs> That's amazing. So it sounds like you're a, you're a fairly... Um, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, and this is very Is it dynamo? I think it's dynamo. <laughs> it's, 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 it basically is that, yeah. So, But you're, you're very... Um, you really care. You're very passionate about this, uh, and it t it took a lot of work to to get to that. So, um, I guess my next question would be then, wh how what got you into it, and why did you uh, get so involved with the union then? Um, what got me into it? Actually, I, I was groomed for the position by another person in my department. <laughs> as awful as that sounds, you know what I. My first year was very, very busy, and by my second year, I was starting to see some things going on within the institution that made me unhappy. I was starting to see sort of, uh, and, and not even necessarily in my own department, but in, in other departments and with other people, I was starting to see um, things that sort of smacked of intimidation, things that smacked of sort of a raw deal. And initially, I was actually... Um, a representative for SOGS because back at Calgary where I did my master's uh, I had stood on the GSA which is sort of a SOGS and union combined equivalent um, and so I thought SOGS would be a lot like that it wasn't quite what I was expecting it didn't wind up being the place for me there was a lot of red tape in my mind and the union um, allowed me to be a lot more engaged and a lot more active and as a steward, one of your chief jobs is membership engagement, right? And I think that can be difficult sometimes because you really do have to put aside a lot of your personal opinions, personal ideologies, personal whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm quite moderate, and, and I'll defend my position vehemently, which I'm sure uh, makes me seem really cranky sometimes. But uh, you really have to put a lot passionate. of that aside. <laughs> oh, passionate. passionate. What is the line between passionate and cranky? Curmudgeonly. <laughs> mm. um, at any rate um, membership engagement is important so when somebody comes to you with a concern you have to sort of strike a balance between being you know very compassionate and uh, validating of their concern but you have to also be realistic you know because there's only so much um, 
one can do. Some A lot of people come to us with issues that really aren't union issues, you know, um, matters of scholarship clawbacks and stuff like that. And I mean, we do what we can, and we, we generally direct people to whatever institution can assist them. But when it comes down to labor issues, we will fight tooth and nail. And for all of you in social sciences, I will fight tooth and nail. And I am told I am rather intimidating. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the grievance process is actually laid out in the collective agreement. It's very detailed. Um, I would say nine times out of ten, grievances can be solved informally. So you sit down with the course coordinator or the grad chair and the student, and you talk it out, and you come to a mutually beneficial and acceptable solution, right? Most of the problems that arise are from people not being aware of the rules or not being aware of protocol, right? Or not knowing the the contents of the collective agreement. And that's what they pay me to do. My superpower is actually knowing the collective agreement really, really well. Because all of the exec, they have different superpowers. Um, so, you know, if, if it can't be solved informally, we go th- through the formal grievance process. And it's it's laid out very clearly. Very, very rarely a grievance will go to arbitration. And then they have to bring in an arbitrator and decisions are made. But honestly, I don't think in recent memory, certainly not in my section, has it come to that. So... You know, more often than not, if you feel like things are not fair or, you know, one of the biggest problems we actually face is overwork. You know, if you think you're working too much, if you're working way over your hours, and I think it's 140 for a full TA ship, um, if you're working way over that, you need to say something, right? Because we will figure that out. But most of the time it's because professors don't know, right? And I've heard this a lot, because working in my position, I I talk a lot with course instructors. A lot of times they don't know, right? So if you feel like you're being overworked, or if you you know, just can't get stuff done, like if you're overwhelmed by marking, I think it's important to say something. And I find that a lot of members hesitate, because they think that they're going to get a response like, oh, well, everyone else has done the marking. Why are you so slow? No one else has these issues. But most of the time, that's not the case. It's it's really important to speak up. I mean, I've, I've seen instances where there are entire courses with six or seven TAs. Everyone's working way, way over their hours. No one's caught up. No one is, you know, performing well in tutorials. And the professor just hasn't been made aware, right? And usually in those instances, as soon as they are made aware, it clears itself up. I think the really great thing about the union and having... Um, the representative people to come in and and speak on your behalf is that they're an outside person who can be calm, they're experienced with advocacy, they don't mind advocating for you, whereas sometimes it's very difficult to advocate for yourself. Absolutely, and I mean, the academic environment can be very intimidating, right? I mean, you're dealing with a lot of other very high-functioning adults, and you're a very high-functioning adult, and... Everyone has a, a skill set that's similar to yours, and that can be scary. Um, any meeting that a member has with a course coordinator or a grad chair or anybody, even a fellow TA, that occurs in their capacity as an employee, you're entitled to union representation. You can have your department steward there. You can have the chief steward there. Whoever you want, you can have, right? And... Uh, Really, we can do whatever you need us to do. If you need me to speak up and advocate, I'll do that. If you need me to sit there and be quiet and see what's going on so that you have somebody taking notes, I'll do that too. You know, I can be active or furniture. (laughs) (laughs) 
sounds really safe and secure. Um, so a question that I think probably doesn't come up very much uh, regarding unions, um, you are very passionate about it, and there must have been some amazing experiences that you've had as a union steward. There, there has to be. So what's your favorite uh, or most memorable, like, nice exper- experience that like, keeps you going when the going gets tough, which I'm sure it does? I have to think. I, I need to think for a few minutes. There's actually been a lot. That's not because I'm searching <laughs> for, like, the one thing. I'm just... Searching for the best one. Well, that's actually really difficult because we're fairly early in the year. Um, so there haven't been a ton of grievances yet. I think bargaining has been by far the best. Just, you know, the overwhelming response from a lot of our membership, um, the encouragement we receive from a lot of our membership is is really good. And the executive that I have the privilege of working with uh, they're incredible. They're really passionate. They're really engaged. They're really smart. And they're advocating for for all of our members. I mean, we meet, you know, twice a month and we, we get stuff done. And I think that's what I like about the union. That's the experience. That's the one thing. We get stuff done. I think uh, an- another thing that I know happened last year when U of T was on strike is that uh, the union here rallied and, and supported them. And It was on that trip, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was on the picket lines at York and U of T. Um, it was actually a lot of driving because it turns out traffic in Toronto is horrendous. Yep. But, uh, no, that was it was really good. Like, we went up there, we were on the lines at... York and U of T, and uh, a lot of supporters from the 901 at Queens came. Uh, it was really good. We gave money to their strike funds. It was, it was interesting to see. I mean, York was actually a very different experience because their campus is a commuter campus. They were actually able to stop traffic going into the campus, so it made access very difficult. Stopping traffic is not always a pleasant experience, though. Some people get very irate. Uh, apparently, someone threatened the picketers. There were death threats. A student got hit by a car. Um, oh yeah, it does. It it does get a little bit heated. U of T doesn't necessarily have that advantage, right? Because they're right downtown, so you know you can't really stop traffic going into the campus. But I had a colleague who was uh, on the lines at U of T, and you know it was it was a good experience. They were they were all equally as passionate and uh, engaged. Lovely people. Uh, so, Kaylee, as a history student like my dad sometimes, I was so curious if, like, you were inspired by, like, the deep, awesome, like, the history of labor or anything like that, if that's part of... Well, to be honest, I'm a Victorianist, so... Uh, so I guess it kind of killed the Victorian and stuff. Well, you know, I'm the world's leading expert on, like, one cemetery in one city in Canada, so... Actually, coincidentally, though, the laborers at that cemetery agitated for money quite frequently. So that's, that's nice. That's inspiring. I'm serious. They threatened to walk off the job a lot. Then totally on a, on a tangent, then, what, what city and cemetery, now that it's come up, I have to know. Cataraki Cemetery in Kingston. Okay. <laughs> it's so beautiful if you have the chance to go out there. All right. If I'm ever there, I'll check it out. Um, so with such, with, with such a passionate group of people representing them, um, what can students and, and I guess the TAs here at Western do to become more involved in, in union proceedings then? How can they help you help them better? Ah, become a steward. Become a steward. Make sure your department has a steward. I'm still missing some in social sciences, actually. 
Um, from what I understand, I still don't have stewards in economics, anthropology, or American studies, actually. So any of y'all in American studies, I would love to have a steward. I know there's not very many of you. <laughs> I was actually in American studies a couple years ago, and yeah. Come on, Tristan. It's, there's like eight people in the whole department. Actually, there's six this year, and I'm oh. going to need you to rally the troops. Well, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Mm. Um, and it's important to stay apprised, right? Like, we're in a bargaining year, which means um, we have a mobilization squad. So pay attention to what they're doing. I believe they're on Facebook. Uh, I think it's just mobilization Western TAs or something to that effect. I ought to have looked that up. But, you know, get involved. Email the main office. Ask how you can get involved. Ask for contacts for uh, the mobilization squad. We also have a lot of committees. We have the Social Justice Committee that's working on open access. We have the Communications Committee that puts together... Uh, most of the posters you're going to start seeing around campus, actually, or the Communications Committee. Um, uh, I think we have a scholarship committee still. There's a lot of committee work to be done. Committee work actually looks great on a resume and a CV, too. So, I mean, if you're the mercenary type and you want to do a really good job for us, looks great on a resume. It's also a lot of fun, actually. So much fun. <laughs> um, all the people who are there are just lovely. And um, I got to work on the bylaws committee this past year, and it was really fun. And so I definitely encourage people, even if you aren't a steward, to go out, join a committee, and uh, really get out there and see what the union really has to offer. Yeah, and one of the other things I encourage all of our members to do is to access our services. You have a $250 top-up. We will pay for almost everything. If your doctor says you need prescription running shoes, we'll do that. Massage, eyeglasses, uh, major dental work, over-the-counter prescriptions for children. You know, we'll help you out with that. And the reason I say that we need to use these resources is because the more members use them, the more we can demonstrate to the university that they're needed, right? Because if no one's using them, the first thing that administration assumes is they're not being used because they're not needed. And that's certainly not the case. So, you know, make use of the financial aid, make use of the food bank, make use of the health plan. And actually, the food bank's really amazing because it works on a voucher system. We don't have like a bunch of food sitting in the office. We don't have the space. So it's all vouchers and gift cards. I actually was going to ask you about, because uh, the food bank is one of the great programs the PSAC does. And I, I would like to see if you could talk more to how, how successful it's been and its kind of situation right now. Well, unfortunately, we have a lot of use. Um, I say unfortunately because I think that that indicates perhaps wages are not keeping up with need necessarily. But uh, the food bank does see a lot of use. It's one of our more popular programs. If one needs to use the food bank, you have to fill out uh, the food bank form. So you apply for it. It's actually decided by committee. Um, as I said, unfortunately, the need is outstripping the resources a little bit right now. But you fill out a form very easy. We don't ask for a ton of extra documentation or anything like that. So uh, you submit the form, goes to committee, we figure it out. Uh, it's $50 a month. So it's, you know, it's a grocery run, right? And I believe the numbers are different for family, but I'm not going to say anything exact because I don't want to be quoted on that. I can't quite remember. I don't have it in front of me. And you were talking about the extended health plan as well, which is something that I've accessed and been extremely grateful for because, of course, um, SOGS does cover some health expenses, uh, some dental, some 
um, eyewear. Uh, however, it definitely doesn't cover all of it. And so then the union's extended health plan is really helpful in, in covering those extra things, especially when you're on such a limited budget. That money makes a big difference. So if I wanted to access that, what do I need? How do I go about that? So there's a form that you can either get online or pick up at the office, whichever you prefer. And we need your receipts. Fill out the form, submit your receipts, bring them to the office. We cut you a check, usually within a couple weeks, provided we're, we're on top of our game. Um, you know, we, we do a lot for our members. I mean, most of our claims are actually dental and eyewear. I will say that. I got my contact lenses <laughs> covered through you guys, As did so. I. And actually, um, SOG's plan doesn't cover any major reconstructive dental work or anything. So if you need crowns or root canals, don't put those off because it's only going to get worse. Come see us. Yeah. So um, I guess campus-wide, there are a lot of students. How many students are represented by you guys? Just to, just to give us some perspective uh, locally and then... You know, this is a, a union that exists also, I guess, nationwide. Oh, yeah. So so how many students are you guys representing here and throughout Canada? Just to give everyone who's listening some perspective <laughs> on, on the magnitude of what is going on here. Western's the largest <coughs> academic local. It's about 2,500 members. Uh, Queens and UOIT are a little smaller because they're a lot more recent. We've been unionized since the mid-'90s, so we've built a pretty big member base. And, uh, you know, nationwide we've got commissioners and border patrol and I think there's some agricultural unions. PSAC's all over. All over. We go to a lot of conferences too. A lot of the execs have been going to conferences. So we do work for you. Hard. <laughs> and what what goes on at these conferences? Do the different unions um, like give, give ideas to one another, just collaborate together, um, help troubleshoot issues? Like what, what goes on at the conferences? Yeah, it's a lot of discussing various motions that different locals and members bring forward. Um, I know there was the, I think it was the directly chartered local conference, because we are a directly chartered local, which gives us a ton of autonomy. But they make decisions at, at various levels uh, through consensus and voting. There's a lot of voting, very democratic, very <laughs> grassroots. Okay. Um Okay, we've got three minutes left, apparently, so that's probably time for just a couple more questions. But um, uh, what are the, I guess, the kinds of things that you've seen uh, locally, I guess, on campus for students? Are there any specific examples that you can think of of where uh, a student in need was helped or saved uh, by something that the union has done directly? No names. We have three or four binders full of grievances that were resolved amicably. Um, the biggest one I can actually think of was a group grievance. We call it the lump sum grievance. So every TA receives a lump sum that's kind of a top up to their TA pay. That's not to be included in your funding package. Um, it's, it's outside of that. And a lot of departments were actually including the lump sum in the funding package, which is in violation. Um, so we managed to get the lump sum back for students. Uh, I think it's around $1,500. So that was that's a lot of money, right? That's that's a month's worth of living expenses. Yeah, that is. Uh, so so the lump sum agreement. When when was this exactly? Mm, I think it was a couple years ago. Now it was a little bit before my time. Certainly, I started here at Western in 2013, but I read through all of the old grievances when I took my position, getting up to speed. We've also gotten overtime for a handful of people, so that's been good. 
Okay. All right. So if you were, if so, let's just to wrap up, I'll give you one last question. So if someone were listening to this whole thing and is really excited, really energized, where, where do they go next? Like maybe they can't be a steward. Where, what's their next step? Go to the union website, explore around, you know, see if there's a committee that appeals to you, find some contact info, or just go down to the main office and find out more from Conan. She'll tell you what committees need people and what don't. And there's usually a few executives hanging around, if I'm honest. And while you're there, you can sign your blue card. Yes, <laughs> you can sign the heck out of your blue card. We really need you to. Sign it. Sign it often. <laughs> well, we need you to sign it every year. So even mm. if you're... Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Adrian, can you that. go sign your blue card, please? <laughs> so Adrian's going to come with me to the office now and sign her blue card. All right, Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on. Not a problem. GradCast is a production of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. Our website for where we have the radio shows in syndication, but also the podcast that doesn't make it on the radio, is located at gradcastradio.ca. And, of course, we're on the Twitters and the Facebooks and all of that fun, cool stuff like all the kids do. So please come, come connect with us because this show is really awesome and I want everyone to enjoy it. All right. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.